in no way would you uh, go down in history by your by virtual performance as being better than I am by virtue of your ethnicity. That wouldn't be the case. It's a matter of chance. If I inherited more gray matter than you, I'm going to be smarter than you. That's what I learned mm -hmm. at Southern Illinois. Smith. And I'm Jack Cormier. And we're here to talk about some of the best things in Polk County. And today we have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Sam Silas here in Bartow, Florida. Welcome to the show, Dr. Silas. Well, it's good to be here and thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, you know, Dr. Silas, we were doing some research and looking through your history. And I see that you, you started your high school sports and activities career at Union Academy right here in Bartow. Yes, that's, that's correct. I, I grew up here uh, in West Bartow, then moved here in 54, my grandmother and I. And uh, Union Academy was uh, the place to be, and that's where I went. Well, there's so many elite athletes that we talked about and talked to um, that came out of Union Academy. Can you just tell us a little bit more about it? We've talked to some of the folks in Bartow, but... Tell us a little bit more about Union Academy and what it meant to you. Well, actually, I can say very honestly, Union Academy, not only to use a, a non-definitive statement, Union Academy meant everything to me. It was the darnest place uh, on the planet, one might say, because the areas of preparation that it did prepare you for would go unsuspecting to the outsider looking in. But all kinds of preparation was taking place on the campus itself. It started with the teachers. We had teachers who not only wanted to teach, but they genuinely wanted us to learn and made themselves available at all times. It was not uncommon at all. In fact, I remember one incident where I went by my history teacher's house on a Saturday, went by his house because I'm doing my homework. He wasn't home, but his wife said he is out shopping. Where, I asked, it was at uh, the one of the supermarkets here in town at the time. I went downtown, found him, and we conducted school in the hallway of the grocer. Wow. And, and that's the, those are the kinds of teachers we had. And so it made learning uh, interesting and fun. And uh, they always show the relevance of it. And it was, in retrospect, Union Academy is different, really, than any other high school uh, I've come across. To this day, every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning, 
all of us who are still alive or within the area of St. Paul County, we meet for breakfast. Uh, we may be three, four, five, six years apart age-wise, so obviously in different classes, but we had one thing in common. We all went to UA. Mm -hmm. And so we meet every week. Some, some uh, days the numbers are small. Other days they're twice as much. Now this week we had close to 20 people. Wow. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And the irony of it is everybody sitting at the table still loves Union Academy just as much as they did then. Wow. It's, it, it, that's the kind of background. So who was your high school coach? Who did you have? Forrest McKinney. McKinney, all right. Yes, so, Forrest McKinney. So, so I got to know Mrs. McKinney a little bit when we inducted him into the Hall of Fame a couple of years back. Yes. And, and what a fantastic story his was. And, and, but to hear the love that he had for the, for the students was, was really inspirational. It, it was. He was, but not just he. He was the, he was the head of it all. But all of his support staff, they were just as it. Now, take Mr. Corbett. We have a, the last coach on that staff is J.J. Corbett. He lives not too far from here. Mm -hmm. He's in his 90s now. Uh, they all took a genuine interest uh, in us. Uh, and it, we were not just athletes. We were a part of a family. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was led by Coach McKinney, but everybody else did their parts. It was great. It was great. And every time I pass here in the academy now, I can't help it. I look at it, and they're fond memories. I still feel the closeness. Obviously, over the years, trying to learn a little bit more about this, that, or the other, I've had uh, varied schooling, but nothing stands out like the memories at Union Academy. It's, it's just, and, and what I say about Union Academy, pick anybody else out who was part of that little group that I was a part of, you know, mm -hmm. back during that time, male or female, and they will say the same thing. It was a very special place, very special. So yeah. it, academically, obviously, it prepared a lot of students and student athletes for going on to, to be in colleges at either Florida A&M or other college HBCUs around the country. Yes. And you came out as a three-sport athlete, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. then you went on to play you kind of bucked the trend. Yes. You didn't go to A&M, but you yes. went to Southern Illinois. Yes, yes. What was, what was your thought on that? Well, the idea behind it, uh, Florida A&M, I didn't see much film of athletes at Florida A&M, but I knew the athletes at Florida A&M. Sure. Uh, I had either played against them or I had observed their play once they got to A&M, me being still in high school. Uh, so I pretty much knew my competition. Uh, 
uh, the opportunity to go to Southern Illinois, uh, and I specify Southern Illinois because there were smaller schools than A&M or Southern Illinois, but the two schools in question would have been those two, A&M or Southern Illinois, since they were the two larger ones. I elected to go to Southern Illinois, ironically, not because they played such good football. <clears throat> we had isolated examples of good football players, only one or two or three. Florida A&M was bulging at the seams right. with good athletes. Well, why wouldn't I go to, Southern, uh, to Florida A&M? The idea was I wanted to compete in an arena that I had never been allowed to compete in before. I'll give you an example, the example. In this town, I think he has passed now, but there is a white family, the name of which is the Mooneyhams. The Mooneyhams had a son that was about my age. I think he might have been a year or two older, but we, we were in the same period. He was a shot putter. I was a shot putter and a discus thrower. He was a state champion uh, in the white schools during the days of segregation uh, in the state uh, in, uh, in, the, uh, in the shot, I was the state champion uh, in, the, uh, in the area of the discus and the shot. So the two state champions were from Bartow. Okay. Now, Mooneyham, every time, could outthrow me in the shot. So his statement is, look at my record. Look at my record. I'm better than you are. I throw further than you do. I'm being a smart aleck. I say to Mooneyham, now mind you, I didn't believe this, but I said it. <laughs> I said, Mooneyham, I'm better than you are. I really don't think I was. I says, I am better than you are. I say, but the difference between us is this. I say, every time you throw, you throw as far as you can. I merely throw as far as I have to throw to win first place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. And we stop him in his tracks a little bit and think about it. Yeah, yeah, think yeah. about it. Yeah. And we went back and forth like that all the days of our local experiences uh, in Bartow. We each wanted to compete against one another, but we weren't allowed to do it segregation at that time. And so we never got chance for a showdown. At Southern Illinois, I would get an opportunity 
to compete against all athletes uh, and leave no doubt to anything. And that was the appeal. That was what drew me to Southern Illinois. I would get, now I could look at Southern Illinois on film. I could reflect on Florida A&M on the basis of what you might call firsthand experience. So I could make comparisons. I honestly felt that for the most part, for the most part, uh, Florida A&M played better football. You would think that I would go to the school that where the athletes were the best, uh, but I, my thinking was I want to go where I can set the record straight. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I went to Southern Illinois. That's terrific. Yeah. And you competed in football, basketball, and shot or track and field there. Yes, I did. Yes. So when you started your career. At, at Southern, you you started looking at your academics. Obviously, you were you're a good student. You wanted to make A's and B's. Yes. Was your purpose there to play sports, or was your purpose more centered around I'm going to get my education? And I ask that question because the people who may listen to this are younger athletes. Yes. That are coming through, and we try to emphasize a lot of times to athletes. Yes. Jack and I are both old ball players. We yes. Both, we both played ball in college. Yes. And we emphasize to them that the education yes. is the gift that you get from sports. That is exactly my sentiment. But uh, so academics over over sports. You, I, I watched. One oh, of yes. Your, I, I saw one of your videos where you gave a statistic on the likelihood that a starting football player ever makes it to the NFL. Yes, and uh, and it was astronomical. One in what a uh, hundred forty-four thousand, I think it was. Yeah, at that just, time, that that was a number. I don't know if that has increased very much, uh, given that there are more teams now. Uh, but the irony of it is, it probably hasn't changed that much. So a person who aspires to that. God, it's a, it's a bad gamble. It's a bad gamble. Now, in my case, I thought the end of my football would be college. I always thought that I would go to college and that I would play football. That was, everybody else did it. So it was more or less a given that I would go to college, that I would get a scholarship. I wouldn't be a cost to my grandmother. I'd go to college. But after that, both my coach, Forrest McKinney, and I thought that I would come back home and he had jobs for me to select from throughout the state. Mm. And uh, so it was a given. I'd go to Southern Illinois since that's where I wanted to go. But after four years, I'd come back. And uh, whatever I taught, that's fine. But I would also be coach. And so he had several job opportunities awaiting me. I, I, I knew nothing about a, a master's, as an example. Uh, I was a little town boy. I didn't know. I had never given it thought. I never knew 
that people went to school after four years. That, that's how green yeah. I was. And so I went with the idea of returning back home in four years. Uh, then by the time I was getting ready to graduate, I was now aware that uh, there are people who get masters today and they don't have to worry about it tomorrow. There are others who get started a little bit late and so they go out and work and years later go get a master's. Well, I think I'll get mine now. And uh, so I stuck around and uh, as I was completing the master's, then I learned about further schooling. But uh, when I left high school, I knew nothing about any of that. But I did know uh, the import of uh, school. In fact, I always, I guess I will always remember this, right toward the end of my senior year in high school, Coach McKinney took me out on the school bus and where we'd have a private talk. And he says, I'm a little bit worried. He says, I have conceded. Mama Reen, that's my grandmother, uh, she has conceded. So it looks like you're going to go to Southern Illinois. Uh, I don't know how to tell you to make it there. But there are two things I'm going to tell you you must do. You must make it. That's number one. And number two, you must learn how to say no. Well, I'm batting 500. Yeah, yeah. I, I never learned how to say no. Southern Illinois, uh, I, I figured if I went to Southern Illinois, where there would be the lesser brand of ball, uh, but I'd get new, new and different experiences, uh, I, uh, I'd be better off. I wanted to just compete against an element that I had never competed with before. Right. Now, while I was at Southern Illinois, I started to receive questionnaires from professional football teams. Uh, I really, I never, ever imagined that I would uh, get a chance to play professional football. But uh, I will say that by having gone to Southern Illinois, my chances, even though the brand of football there, I don't believe was as good as that at AM, I ended up with an experience that made me more of a competitive athlete at Southern Illinois. To explain, several of my buddies went to various other schools. More prominent than most would be Florida A&M. They were exposed to a certain social element, call it element A. I was exposed to Element B, the difference between the two elements. In my element, I got chance to meet 
people from all walks of life. I knew how to compete with them. I knew how to feel comfortable in their presence. And I knew that it was a matter of chance as to whether you would be better than I or I than you. Uh, in no way would you uh, go down in history by your by virtue of performance as being better than I am by virtue of your ethnicity. That wouldn't be the case. It's a matter of chance. If I inherited more gray matter than you, I'm going to be smarter than you. That's what I learned mm -hmm. at Southern Illinois. Therefore, I learned to compete there with all people and feel that I had an equal chance of winning. Right. You see, I would not have gotten that as fully at the likes of an A&M mm -hmm. at that time. Now, later on, when it's time to be a rookie, it came to surface. Uh, I remember a couple of instances. Two examples I'll give you. One example, the head coach at the time had a habit of saying when he wanted his starting team to line up, he would say, give me a team. He didn't mean that. He <laughs> meant, I want my first team out there. I was hungry. I was starved. I was a competitor. He said on this given day, give me a team. And it, the guy who was playing the same position as I, who happened to have been the captain of the team, <laughs> <laughs> was taking his time because he could do it. He's a captain. He's a captain. Right. So he took, they keep him before they keep the head coach. <laughs> so, so he was taking his time. I said, the hell away with this. I went out and got in his slot. Now, mind you, I'm a rookie. Right. I'm a nobody rookie. And uh, the players from my area, people whom I in high school knew, who had grown up, who had gone to A&M, who had gone to the other A&Ms of the country, uh, they were standing back intimidated. In fact, when they saw me go into the huddle and take the place uh, of the captain, my God, uh, their mouths dropped. They said, ain't, ain't no way I could do this. <laughs> or would do. This guy is crazy. That is the kind of daring that a rookie football player without a no-cut contract had to exude in order to make it. And so I was the only one doing it. I was the only one who made it. Wow. See? Now, second example. 
I'm a little embarrassed by this, but I, I can talk about it, and I know there won't be any repercussions about it. <laughs> <laughs> I surely wouldn't have mentioned this years ago. The coach would uh, set curfew. Curfew's at, say, maybe 11 o'clock. And so the ball players would go out on the town and have a beer or whatever, the veterans. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, the rookies, uh, <laughs> we'd stay in and study. Well, I knew my plays, and I knew it was to my advantage to know the responsibility of every other player on the line. You see, I never knew when I'd have to fill in somewhere else. Besides which, we had tests, and we had to show that we knew the responsibility of the other players. Mm -hmm. And so I made it a point to know it well. Uh, we didn't have to know other positions as well as we knew our own. I knew them all rather equally. At about 10.45, you hear the cars coming in. The guys coming in from having been down having a beer. No, this was in St. Louis. It's in St. Louis. Okay. And so they're coming in, and that, now I've waited all this time throughout the night. I, maybe I've waited two and a half hours. All right, I look at my watch 15 minutes before curfew. I'd go and I'd knock on the doors of the coaches. Now, they all wanted some downtime, too. So they would all be together in a room, perhaps playing cards, telling jokes, and so forth and so on. Their relaxation time. So I, at the last minute, 15 minutes before curfew, I'd go knock on the door. Now, I could have gone two hours ago, <laughs> but I wait until the last minute. So I go and I said, Coach, I hate to bother you. I didn't hate to bother the coach. <laughs> I said, I hate to bother you. I said, but I'm going over my plays. And I says, I think I know the responsibility of all the players. I said, but I'm not sure about this one and this one and this one and so forth on this play, this play, or this play. And so he says, in response, well, if you're not sure, take a guess. What would you do if you didn't have me? If you were out on the field and you were in uh, the position you were in and the play was called, what would you do? And I said, well, I would execute such and such. He said, that's precisely correct. I knew it was correct. <laughs> I knew it was correct. Eh? But why did I go 15 minutes before 11? I wanted the coach to feel that I'd been studying all night long. See, I didn't need to study all night. I knew the plays. But I wanted to get some mileage out of it. And so I said, well, I would do this, I would do this. He said, well, what if you were 
on the right side of the line, what would you do? I said, well, I do this, I do that, I do the other. He said, well, you got it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I said, well, I can, that's fine. I said, I've been trying to figure this out all night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That way, it's yeah. like, wow. Yeah, that's, that's exactly really right. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. So he envisioned my uh, spending three or four hours uh, studying. I had not. I already knew the stuff. See, so, but that was uh, that was part of the competition. Sure, sure. I learned that at Southern Illinois. It was like Survivor before Survivor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, yeah, you, you know, just yeah. another tactic to uh, to to you know yeah. get ahead, which is yeah. what we learned as we go to around. this to this day. And I used whatever I had learned and anticipated learning at Southern Illinois. Uh, for later in life. And you had the wherewithal. That, so so while you're in the NFL, you're going back to school yes. and working towards this second career. Yes. This, so so how did you, I, I, you know, give us some insight into that. That's that that takes it's a lot of maturity at a, at a young age in a, in a yeah. testosterone driven sport to, to sort of triangulate that. Yeah. Well. I knew that there was such a thing as a master's by now. I knew that. And so I wanted, the challenge was there. Wow. I would probably want to try to get a master's anyway one day because everybody else seems to have to, have to do this. Right. My coach, high school coach, did it. In fact, all of my high school coaches did it. I guess I'll have to do it too. So I may as well do it now while I, I can afford it. And uh, I'm within 100 miles of uh, my school. I'll just drive back and do it. And uh, my professional coaches will never know that I'm doing it. Uh, they, they would not have uh, thought it was a wise decision. The head coach, my head uh, coach at St. Louis was of the temperament where had he known at the time what I was doing, he would have done whatever he could do to dissuade me because he felt that it was a loss of time. Well, in a way, he was right because uh, with the experience I was getting and with the name that we were all making for ourselves as professional athletes, later on, when football was a thing of the past, we could have easily gotten a coaching job, made a, a good income, and uh, we never would have been, we might have been fired a time or two as all coaches are, but we never be jobless mm -hmm. because everybody wants a piece of you. They want, they want you to work for them. So, uh, so he was not in favor of that. That's, that's a waste of time. But I saw it as a nice stimulating challenge. So I wanted to do it. And I said, uh, maybe one day I will not wish to coach. I might want to do something else. So I, 
And besides which, uh, curiosity, the question of whether or not I could do it will have been settled. Uh, I'll either know that it was too uh, demanding for me or within my reach. You know, so I did it. And so, I mean, this this took place 1963, right? That was the year you were yeah. Right? Yeah. 1963. Yeah. So there was still a lot of segregation yes. that you probably had to contend with yes. on the ball field, even, yes. even on a professional level. Yes, yes. Uh, some challenges, I'm sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. That you had to do well. Absolutely. In fact, in fact, I was... In a lot of areas, I, I was smart. <laughs> I hate to say that, but in a lot of areas, I was smart. I was too smart to let people know what I was doing. Uh, I wouldn't dare let my teammates know what I was doing uh, because that would only make trouble for me. Right. Who the hell do you think you are? Uh, what do you need a master's for? You are what? A doctorate? <laughs> what? Are you out of your mind? Yeah. Yeah. No wonder you are so silly on the football field. In other words, they would just shoot you down. And so I would not let them know what I was doing. And I knew not to let them know. And uh, it wasn't until the end of my Toward the end of my career, when uh, I had begun to use some of my school experiences to get off-season employment, that people began to realize. In fact, uh, when football was all over, uh, one of my playmates, uh, I was in left tackle, uh, Luke Owens was in right tackle. And after we both had retired, uh, I was in uh, Carbondale, Illinois, and Luke was in the Cleveland, Ohio area. And uh, he was older than I, so he's a senior. And uh, it's more appropriate for me to jump on a train and go visit Luke then they have Luke come yeah. visit me. So I go visit Luke, and I will remember. I can see him now. He's uh, walking along the uh, corridor, and he sees me, and we shake hands, we hug, and he says to me quizzically, he says, Si, I'm so glad to see you, but before I say anything to you, before I update you on what's going on in the whole bit, I want to know how in the hell did you get a job uh, that uh, uh, in the area that you're presently in? He said, how'd you do that? And I told him, he said, well, what... Did football help you? I said, well, indirectly. I said, but it's not a requirement. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he says, well, what you tell the people? I said, well, you, you go to school and you get certification 
And with the certification, you put your name in the hat that you're interested in the job. And they like what they see of you on paper. And so they bring you in for an interview. And you perform, really, for them. Uh, you do whatever it is that they wish you to do. And uh, they like what they see in you. They hire you. And that's what they did with me. And uh, he says, well, when in the hell did you get uh, time to do uh, this schooling? I said, uh, we'd play on a Sunday. On a Sunday night, I would drive uh, to Carbondale, 100 miles away. Monday, I would go to school all day. And Tuesday morning, I'd get up early enough to drive back for practice. (laughs) 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 So he... uh, (laughs) He he just shook his head. Shook you know, his head. It's funny, and uh, what what I'll kind of take a second to, to explain to any one of our people that might be listening that are younger, football players used to have to get jobs in the off season to supplement their income. Yes. As opposed to today, where they don't necessarily have to get a job. In fact, very few of them do. Yes. Because they make the amount of money that they do. So. Back then, young folks, this is what football players and baseball players did. They worked in the offseason. Absolutely. In fact, uh, being a family man, having a family to support uh, during that time, uh, there would have been no way I could have made it just on my football salary. We weren't making any money. Uh, I'm happy for the ball players today because they make good salaries. They make very good salaries. I'm not opposed to the owners making the money that they make. They put up a lot of money to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but back during the day, they were making a disproportionate amount of money. Sure. They were making money that should have been uh, uh, filtered down to the players. During my day, uh, $60,000 would have been the top salary of a big-name quarterback or a Jim Brown, as an example. Uh, I could almost say a Jim Brown because Jim Brown was, we know, was not a quarterback. And unless he was very exceptional, he would not have been making 60. But because Jim Brown was Jim Brown, uh, he would make that kind of money. He would make the income of a quarterback. Right. Uh, but you almost had to be a quarterback to be making $60,000 a year back during my time. Oh, well, and an example, why Tittle? Absolutely, yeah. Three and a half times. Three and a half times. Three and a half times against Y.A. Tittle. Yes, uh, yes. Hall of Famer. So those are the type of guys. Yeah. Now, did you have any experience playing against Jim Brown back in the early season? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Was he a beast? He was. He was very, very, uh, he's a very good ball player. Very good ball player. However, 
piece of insight. You love this. Uh, it's not ne- it's 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 not all necessarily so good, but it's a piece of insight that a very few uh, sports enthusiasts would pick up on, would know about. We used to look at Jim Brown perform, and. One of the things that we knew about Jim Brown is that he always walked back to the huddle. And uh, that was something that no other athlete would dare do. So, no matter how good Jim Brown is, why allow him to do this? Well, there's a reason behind it. Uh, Jim Brown was human. We didn't necessarily think he was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He was such a tough guy on the surface that we didn't think he could possibly get hurt. Well, as it turned out, He was taking his lumps, and he was living in pain, Mm. and nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. Uh, Insight and inside information enable us to find out years down the road that after practice, Jim Brown would get lost. He would leave. And when everybody had left, Jim Brown would go back to the training facility where the athletic trainer would be waiting on him and he'd get treatment. So his teammates did not know that he was being banged up. Consequently, uh, the end result of it was that today Jim has had a knee replacement and a hip replacement. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you think of the at least hundreds of other players who played the same position that he played who were not touted as being as rugged as he, they didn't have any, they haven't had any knee replacements Mm -hmm. or hip replacements. So Jim Brown was taking a terrible beating, but it shows you what a competitor he was. And his ability to uh, weather pain. Uh, I... uh, I ended up having more admiration for him later than during the time he was Jim Brown. During the time that he was Jim Brown, uh, I had one thing going for me. I was too stupid to be intimidated by (laughs) such such a fine athlete, see? Yeah, well, 
the thing is, if he's out there and he's got the ball, uh, my teaching and my coaching and has taught me to, you know, bring him down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, and, and if I succeed in doing that, then he's not so great, you know. Or he's just another good ball player, mm-hmm. but he, he he's not Superman. I can bring him down. And so that was the way it was. But he, uh, uh, when you learn those inside stories about Jim Brown, you gain all the more admiration for him right. because what he must have gone through. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that was one of the things that they always talked about in his career was only six years. Yours was eight. Yes. Right? You, you played eight years, so you played into the early 70s. Yes. And, um, you know, the changes that took place between 63 and 70 had been phenomenal in the game of football with equipment and, you know, things that you guys probably didn't have in, in the 50s. Oh, yeah, 60s, yeah. Like face masks. Right? So, so, uh, so you're right. The equipment changed over time. It got better. And, uh, of course, we were... Was Spurrier out there then? Because he would have been... Spurrier was the backup to John Brody. To John Brody back then. Yeah. 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 Spurrier, yeah, he would have been there in in the early 70s. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because he finished at Tampa Bay. Yeah, he finished... Right. Finishes in 76, 77. Yeah. Now, was he a coach in there? Or? No, he. I think he finished, I think his last years were spent in the early years of the of the Buccaneers. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Because I think he went to San Francisco. Yeah. To back up Brody. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that, that was quite a team back then, too. Oh, yeah, we, we, uh, we had a little success during that time. Uh, I, I enjoyed playing with some of the, uh, a number of the athletes, you know. You know, athletes are a strange bunch of people. They don't think so much of themselves, but they mm-hmm. look at the other players, you know. God, I'm getting a chance to play with uh, Jimmy Johnson. Right. Yeah. I'm getting a chance to play with John Brody or Steve Spurry. You know, it, 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 God. This is great. I remember one day out on the field, we were practicing. And I, I said to myself, God, I love it. I love it. I love it. And it was because of the people that I had an opportunity to get to know and mingle with. It, uh, it, it didn't matter to me that somebody else were fooled into thinking that I was a halfway decent player and good enough to be around and a part of them, I was thinking just the opposite. The hell away with me. God, I I know this guy. I know this guy. I'm playing with the likes of a Charlie Kruger. You know, and and it's just just great. Mm. It was great. It was great. Yeah. You you had a a really good, eight years of a good NFL career. Yeah. And when you got done, you, you obviously went back into academics for Right. Well, part part of my reason, part of my reason uh, for uh, eight years was was a good run. I could have stretched it out a little longer, but I had not been injured and that sort of thing. So I 
I still had a cooperative body. But the school had the damnedest requirement for you to complete your degree. You had to put in a year of residency. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was getting close to uh, reaching the point where it was time to do research and writing. So I either had to postpone my schooling or continue my schooling, but putting in the one year of residency. And so uh, I... I realized my days were numbered. I had a coach, Paul Wiggins. Paul Wiggins, who was a former uh, defensive end for the Cleveland Browns, was coaching at San Francisco. And uh, he did more to help me (laughs) than anybody else. You don't like hearing it. You don't like receiving the kind of help. But he said to me, now my forte was pass rush. Uh, All of the linemen could play the running game. You are not going to make it in the NFL if you can't play the running game. So how do you come to, how do you stand out? Become a pass rusher, see? If you become a pass rusher uh, and pretty good at it, uh, your chances of blossoming are good. But you must be able to pass rush. Well, Paul Wiggins said to me one day, Sam, we we got a couple of young understudies. I want you to teach them everything that you know about pass rushing. <laughs> sure, coach. <laughs> By the way, don't hold your breath. Yeah. Yeah, don't hold your breath. Because that's a kiss of death. Yeah, right. yeah. And so you know what it is, but these are the exact words. Teach them everything. If he has to teach them how to pass rush, that's one thing. Teach them everything you know about pass rushing. Coach, are you a fool? I'm not going to do that. I am not going to do that. And uh, I'm not so sure that I am willing to do that, even if I know this is my last day on the practice field. You know, I just don't. Tricks of the trade. Yeah. yeah. Tricks of the trade. You don't want to get, don't want to give away your tricks of the trade. Well, that's, you know, that's, you teach that, them everything they know, but you don't teach them everything you know. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. <laughs> and so I said to the coach, okay, no problem. <laughs> but that was one of the biggest lies I've ever told in my life. Yeah. That it was okay. <laughs> Ain't no way I'm going to do that. No way. I'm got, I, I am not going to share what I know unless it is actually going to be beneficial to me to do it. 
Sure. I'm not going to do, do that. So I knew that I needed to start thinking about uh, looking elsewhere. The next step. Yeah, yeah right. the next step. Yeah. See, now little did the coach realize, but I, you know, I had other plans. I just, I had projected it further down the line, but I had other plans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now when he said that, it was necessary to pull those plans right. Yeah, move your timeline up yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and that's what I did. Well, that's great. And, and after a successful NFL career, you had a successful career in academics, and then you came home. Yes. You came back to Bartow. Yeah. Fulfill a promise. Yeah. Bartow has always been very special to me. Union Academy has always been very special to me. I, I, I feel so grateful that I can be home and adjust, adapt to the environment now. Today, I say I am amazed that as I have gotten older, uh, I can live more quietly, more privately, uh, and uh, survive off of my memories. So I realize I'm home. I can reflect on things done years ago around in this area, and that carries me over. That carries me over. It's been a truly fascinating conversation. Yeah. And, and we do appreciate the time that you've spent with us. Yeah. And, and if anyone, you know, wants to hear more about Dr. Silas's journey, uh, he is going to be, uh, he's inducted into the Polk County Sports Hall of Fame this year, 2021, uh, in, or 2020 inductee, but with the pandemic, yes. gets inducted in here. And, uh, and that'll live on YouTube. Yes. So, uh, so folks who, uh, who want to hear more, his in, uh, induction speech will be uh, live on YouTube uh, roughly a week after uh, after the event, the 8th. Fantastic. Yes. Well, you know, Dr. Silas, this has truly been, uh, a good, I think, a great experience for both, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> <Jack>. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens. I, I look at him, and I'm like, what's his name? What's his name? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jack and I, and just hearing some of the experiences of your life, and yes. the things that you have done and accomplished and how you've done it. And hopefully that transcends into some of the listeners, some of the younger people that listen to our podcast, yes. that they can see that you can be an athlete, you can be an academic, and you can accomplish all of these things. Yes. You have to, you have to plan. Yes. You have to think. Yeah. You have to, you have to work. Yeah. Well, that, that's so true. And I... I don't especially, this is just a little tidbit I throw in, uh, I don't especially think that I am as bright as a lot of people might think I am or that my record might suggest that I am. Uh, I think that if, in fact, I've accomplished a little bit here and there, it has been out of desire and willingness to work hard. Therefore, I would say to 
the handful of people who are willing to listen or benefit from what the likes of myself have to say, I would tell them and do whatever I could to reinforce it, is that none of us have to be very bright uh, to do exceptional things. We have to have the desire. We can get great mileage out of what we all have if we have the desire to break a sweat, put forth the effort. A lot of bright people, but if they don't have the other ingredients, forget it. You can have average ability, but willing to scratch, and you catapult yourself. Mm -hmm. sure. mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a great lesson. Yeah. Well, we've been sitting here today with uh, Garto's own Dr. Sam Silas on the Polk Experience. I think it's been a great day. This has been a great one. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, this, this is, yeah. yeah. This is, we